0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, number 353 Premium, for Thursday, September 15th,
1: 2011.
2: Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where, well... You are a premium subscriber, and we thank you for that. Uh here in here I'm <laughs> here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton.
0: Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun.
2: So John, uh I got a new toy. And and it's something you don't know about yet. A we toy? Were, yeah. Yeah. Uh we um we we uh well, we bought MacBook airs for all the full timers here at TMO and, and uh, I wasn't going to get one quite yet, but because I did a bunch of them, they gave me a deal on it. And uh, so I have an 11 inch MacBook air now, which I got yesterday. And uh, it is by far the best laptop I've ever used. And I have, I've, I've got, I had it for a day. So, you know, there's still shiny new syndrome going on it, but, uh, but yeah, it's fantastic. And, uh and, Knowing that at some point, uh, you know, I got the new iMac and, and so I had relegated my, my old MacBook Pro to just being my travel machine uh, between whenever that happened and whenever I wound up getting an air. And so I had, I totally put line on it fresh, which I mentioned and, and had it set. And my thought was, well, I'll use this, but then I can just migrate over to another fresh lion machine and I'll be good to go. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what I did. But of course, you know, I started setting up the air and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. There's no you know, firewire target disc mode. It's not, but I, it, I did the whole migration assistant thing over wifi. You launch migration assistant on both machines. You tell one of them, it's almost like a Bluetooth pairing kind of thing. And then it just does it. And, and on the one that it was pulling data from, it actually quits all the apps and goes into this, like, you know, migration assistant only mode during the time when it's sending things over. So you can't be mucking about and changing data and, and all that other stuff. So,
0: just okay. You yeah. know, someone approached me with uh, a question about strategies for migrating data. And unfortunately, I believe they had a mix of 2011. Uh, they had a 2011 air and they had a 2010. And now, if I'm not mistaken, the 2011 version has Thunderbolt. It has Thunderbolt. That's right. Yeah, I've got two USB ports and a Thunderbolt port. OK, so, of course, if you're going to migrate data with two machines that both have Thunderbolt, that's the way to do it. Unfortunately, in his case... He had one with Thunderbolt and one without. So I think in that case, you're Uh, limited to. Can you plug Thunderbolt into Thunderbolt and do? I don't think you
2: can. I mean, that's like plugging a PCI card into a PCI card. Uh, I I think I don't I don't think that would work. But maybe I guess I guess maybe there is a Thunderbolt target disc mode now that I think about it. Right.
0: uh, I don't have a Thunderbolt machine, but my speculation. So I believe this is a what a 10 gigabit connection. Or potential for a ten gigabit connection.
2: Right. Yeah, Thunderbolt does support target disk mode. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah.
0: So okay. you should be able yeah. with two Thunderbolt enabled machines to get uh I bo- I would think a ten gigabit connection, which is by far the fastest connection you can get between uh two Macs that are equipped with that. You know, the the next right. of course would be gigabit Ethernet, and then of course in his case, because he had one machine that only had USB two, then that's the lowest common denominator denominator. But Right, but you can't do USB target disk mode. Right, right. What I was saying in that case, I think what you could do is, uh, I, I think you can also get a Ethernet adapter which you put on the USB port, but you're basically getting USB speeds. Right? Mm. Did you get yours with a USB adapter, or with I'm sorry, it? an Ethernet adapter? No, I didn't. I didn't bother. Uh oh, okay. Yeah, I, I I
2: knew that I wasn't going to be using it in that way, so I I didn't bother. But uh, that's a cool. handy little machine. It's uh it, you know, for for my purposes, I prioritize size over anything else for the, for this machine now. So uh so the eleven inch was, was purchased just because that makes life easier. It's only a fifty dollar difference, uh, retail price between a maxed out eleven and a maxed out thirteen, believe it or not. With the two fifty six SSD and the one point eight gigahertz I seven and, and all of that good stuff. But uh, but size being more important than than, or, or or compactness being more important than screen real estate but still this thing's got what uh 1400 by 768 screen so it's plenty big and uh it's a beautiful thing
0: yeah i still think my next machine cuz mine my, my uh early 2008 as you have yeah unless you've sold it or or uh reappropriated it. Um no, I still have that. Yeah, that's still here. Yeah. Yeah. I think my next machine now that they are now that they skipped that phase where they didn't have any sort of high speed port like the uh express card, I, I think my next machine will probably be a MacBook Pro with Thunderbolt on it. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah. What size? What size would you get? Well, what do they have now? Is uh I mean right now I got a fifteen what do they have a fifteen and a thirteen? And a seventeen. Now? Uh, the 17 is a battleship. I, I, uh, that, that <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't fit into, uh, yeah. I mean, I got a computer bag and I think the 15 fits in there comfortably. Okay. Uh, I think a 17 I'd have to carry a backpack and then that would be, uh, yeah. So I think uh, I've, I focused on 15 inches as, as what I like for a, a portable machine. So. I would,
2: I, as, as I did, I would, Suggest that you challenge that assumption. Uh, Okay. Because because only, only because you may find that you really don't, what, what previously drove you to need 15 is no longer relevant because screen density is different than it was, you know, when we had our last machines, right? Uh, Lions full screen mode for, for apps like mail and Safari is fantastic on this 11 inch machine because it gets rid of the menu bar, gets rid of the dock. You know, I don't need that stuff when I'm in mail. I don't need that stuff when I'm in Safari. And uh, it makes a huge difference, even just in the last, you know, whatever it is, 24 hours that I've had the machine. I I find that, that that's what that full screen mode is for. And it totally works. And, you know, swiping back and forth between apps with, with three fingers is arguably easier than doing a command tab. So, uh, so it, it, Really. It's, it's a very, it's a very interesting paradigm and it's a very interesting shift. So, you know, just spend some time at the Apple store before you place your order so that you, you're sure that you actually need the 15 because I, I was hesitant about the 11 up until, you know, about six months ago when I finally went and, and spent some time with both of them and decided, Oh yeah, no, the 11 is going to work
0: just fine. Okay. Well now yeah. I've used the 13 because the, 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 the Mac that, that I set my mom up with is a 13 inch. So I'm, and then, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. So no, yeah, you, but you hasn't bring the, up a good point.
2: Hasn't the screen resolution changed uh, from that 13 to the current 13 though? Oh, I'm sure it has. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I mean, it, it, you know, there, there's, there's enough going on there that, that you might
0: find that you're actually more than happy with, with the 13. So anyway. Yeah, though, yeah. you know, I'm getting along in years and, uh, you know, things are getting a little hard to read. Yeah, well, you know, that's right. You know, it'll hit you too. So, uh so despite well, the higher resolution, unfortunately that means that that things get smaller and uh Correct. Yes. All right. Well, congratulations and uh, I I look Thank forward you. to your in, I mean, wow, you're just I mean, first the 17-inch iMac and now a uh, Oh, it's not a 17-inch. 27-inch iMac. Oh, 27, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow, so you're just yeah, uh I know. I know. So, so you're helping my stock price go up. Well, Thank you. yeah, we got to got to <laughs> keep the
2: economy erect, right? So we're doing what we can. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So with that, should we move on to Jerry here? Absolutely. Okay. So Jerry writes, uh, "I've set my spotlight search to exclude a number of different categories of files, including mail messages and calendar entries. For some reason, however." searches still pull in everything any thoughts on why this is happening and how can i reset spotlight searching so that the preferences will work i'm currently running snow leopard on a macbook pro okay uh so jerry actually sent us a screenshot that that uh at least in theory would help us solve this problem uh if you need to hit his question was to, how can i reset spotlight and there is a way that the easiest way to reset spotlight is to use onyx and uh and what that lets you do is is totally forces the system to rebuild uh spotlight. You can also do it from the command line, but there's no reason to. Onyx is free. Uh it's very trustworthy. It works with uh with all the OSs up to and including Lion. So just go get Onyx and tell it to rebuild uh, spotlight. And of course, that was the first answer we uh gave to Jerry and and it didn't work. And what what Jerry is doing here is very interesting. And and this gets into perhaps uh A a, a terminology thing, a a, a terminology nuance that Apple's got going on, because if you go into so he filtered these things out by going into system preferences and going into spotlight and in there in the search results tab, which is the first one that comes up, uh, you've got a bunch of check boxes next to all these different categories. And not only can you check and uncheck things to say, yes, I want them included or no, I don't but you can move uh, things around so that they show up in different spots in the list. But that list only and those checkboxes only impact spotlight searches that happen under the spotlight menu on the upper right. And it's interesting because at the top of the system preference pane, it says spotlight is located at the top right corner of the screen. And this works. Uh, If so, if I turn off mail messages and I do a search for, For, you know, Braun, uh, I do not see uh, John's email messages show up there. However, if I click show all, it then opens up what appears to be that same spotlight search in the finder. And yet all those mail messages show up. And the reason is, as soon as we get out of the spotlight menu, it's not really spotlight anymore. According to Apple, it's all using the same index. In a, in a way, uh, but uh, at least to do the contents of it for file names, not so much. But uh, but it is not using spotlight. This is just a system wide search or a more targeted search. If you tell it search only in this folder or or, or what? Have
0: well, you. let me uh, let me make sure I'm, I'm clear on this. I, I think I understood what you said, but help me out here. So yep. one way no, to, it's get to, good to get some clarity on this. Yeah. So one way to get to Spotlight is to either, so you see, and I think I see where the confusion is here, so you see a magnifying glass in the upper right-hand corner of your screen. Correct. And of course, the two ways to get to that are either to click on it or to do command space. Correct, that's right. And then you get a field that says Spotlight, and that sh- what shows up there should adhere to what you've selected in the system preference that you mentioned. That's right. Is that the results are filtered. So so even though I believe the index is is contains the entire contents of uh, whatever it finds, uh, they filter out what's displayed based on your preference choices. Then I think what you're talking about is the spotlight looking search in the finder. Right. The reason I say that is because I'm looking right now. So of course you bring that up, you hold down uh, command F for find and you'll see something with the same magnifying glass, which would lead you to believe, well, well the magnet. And you know, I think this is maybe a little, uh, no, no on Apple's part because it leads you to believe that. I think it's the same feature, which it is not right. It's not. Is that where we're going? Okay. So that's where we're going here.
2: Yeah. But you know, here's the thing. It, it, it's misleading because if you started your search in the finder by doing command F or simply typing in the finders search window, my assumption is the user is, nothing's going to be filtered from that. I am searching the system, right? If I search in the spotlight menu, I assume things are going to be filtered where it gets confusing is when I, in the spotlight window, if I choose show all, uh, that brings up a finder search and it's not just show all as opposed to show the top five results that you've given me. It's show all and show everything regardless of what filters I've set.
0: So that Oh, I say, okay. And the show all brings you to the finder. version. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, that is confusing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so
2: you are jumping paradigms, if you will, you know, in the, in the menu, you have this filtered organized search that's based on the preference pane. And once you jump out of that menu, you're, you're done, you know, you, you're just in a raw finder search, which is still quite handy. It's just not quite the same. So it's an easy point of confusion. And frankly, I'm surprised it took us six and a half years for this
0: question to come up the way that it did. Cause it's a very interesting kind of thing. Right. And to build on that, of course, then you see that little plus sign there. And if you click on that, then that lets you further refine. Right. Just like we talked about in the last show. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep.
2: Huh. And no, I'm uh, surprised
0: too. Yeah, yeah, because it is the same icon which uh again leads me to believe it it it's offering the same functionality which it's not which it's so. totally not. That's right. <laughs>
2: uh and and to follow up on that we we did get a Twitter message based on uh show 352 we got a message from Victor Cahial from the Typical Mac User podcast and and he mentioned what you just said John which is that in the finder you can hit command F to get to a uh a, a full find screen. And then when you save a search, those are saved in, I believe, users' uh, library saved searches, if I'm not. uh, Yep, it is. And so you can actually copy those saved searches to other Macs if you want to uh, make your life a little bit easier. Mm. Yeah. So thanks, Victor. And we retweeted that from our uh, our Mac KeyCab Twitter account. All right. Uh, moving, moving on to Joe, Are we good to, uh, to move on to Joe here. We're good. Okay. Joe writes up until rather recently, I've been able to double click on an attachment, say word or Excel file as I'm reading it in mail and would open it up so I could see it in word or Excel. Now, when I do this, I get a drop down error message saying mail was unable to save the attachment and it gives me the name to disc. Please verify your downloads folder exists and is writable. I have at least five gigs of disk space available. I've checked the permissions on the mail downloads and downloads folders, and both of them indicate that I am the user and have read, write access. If I drag the icon to the desktop, I can then double click it and it opens up just fine. I also just got done repairing permissions uh, to no avail. Interestingly, I just did a search on that file name uh, and nothing came up on the search using Spotlight. So I'm not even sure where such an attachment would go. Okay. Okay. So uh, this is an interesting thing. So when you double click an attachment in mail, uh, what happens is that the system has to save it to disk in order for a program like Word to open it. Word isn't capable in this sense of opening files out of thin air. It needs to open it from a disk. But when you get an attachment in mail, it's not actually saved as its own separate file on the disk by default. It's buried inside the mail message, Right. So when you double-click it, two things happen. One, mail saves that as an actual file all by itself out to uh, home mail downloads, I believe, is where that goes. Uh, Let me make sure that that's right. It's whole home home library. library mail downloads. That's right. Thanks, John. Yeah, so it saves it there. And then it essentially you know, tells that file to open. And then of course, whatever it's going to open in, you know, be it word or Excel or pages or, you know, whatever you have, uh, it's going to open, but the, the program is going to be looking in that home library, mail downloads folder at this file. So if for some reason, the system can't write to that folder, uh, then you've got a problem. And, and at least in Joe's case, that's what it seems like is going on. We're trying to figure out what that problem is. Now on my machine, uh, my mail downloads folder reads as, uh, Dave, as the owner with read and write, and then staff and everyone have read only privileges. Uh, and that's on, that was on my, let's see, that's not on this computer. That's necessarily, that's on my lion, uh, 27 inch iMac, which is a fresh install of lion. Is that, is that what yours
0: reads, John? Absolutely not. Okay, <laughs> mine is different, and that's why I took a little screen snapshot of it because I found mine to be rather unusual in that so it lists my username, yeah John braun, parentheses me, right, privilege, read and write, yep, okay, and then everyone no access
2: okay, so that's what I have on this machine up in the studio, oh, here, which is okay, the Snow but Leopard. I
0: verified there are absolutely files in there that are dated twenty eleven and twenty ten so so absolutely files are being written to that the the, mine seems to be a more restrictive right permission but i think it accomplishes the same thing is that you know the 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 owner of the account has read and write access in both cases which which i don't i don't think the other ones are that important because i don't think another user you know i think mail is going to be at trying to access that as as you Right. right that's what i would assume that's right okay so um and there's a
2: couple other things to look at, but, but one further thing is, and, and John, you got to help me here. Cause I'm, I'm flying without a net. There's, there's the, uh, there's the explicit permissions that we see when we highlight a folder or a file and do get info in the finder. And then there's like these extended permissions, right? And I'm drawing a blank on what we call these things, John. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? ACLs? Yes. Access control list. Thank you. So it's possible that some of those have been set on this folder erroneously, right? And I don't, what would the, if, if that were the case, how would you check for that, John? <sighs>
0: <sighs> yeah. You know, that's a good one. There is, uh, because that, 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 so will you trump. There's the, These settings,
2: right? If there's some access control list set that says, no, don't let anybody write here. That trumps whatever you've got going on with your, you know, get info window from the finder. So you could have the system
0: effectively lying to you. You know, I'm going to I don't remember off the top of my head, but there is a utility. Okay. Uh, maybe it'll come to me. All right. Or I'll I'll put it in the show notes. But there, there are Apple utilities that will let you view and set. ACLs, and I think there's probably some terminal magic that let you do that as well. Now, from what I recall, though, if you run this utility, uh, typically if it finds an ACL and it doesn't expect it, so ACL is access control list. It's a more sophisticated way of... uh, Is that the red phone? That's a more sophisticated way of setting permissions on directories or files. Okay. But again, from what I recall... Uh, disutility. If it finds some and it doesn't expect them, it it should tell you. It'll say unexpected ACL found on whatever directory. So you so you may want to keep an eye out for that error message if you do a, a verify permissions or repair permissions.
2: Okay. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. See, I don't know though if 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 checking permissions actually checks this folder. It, you know it, it that. there's a weird thing with permissions, right? I mean, it, 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 there's this presumption, uh, because of the way the system kind of presents you with the data that it's checking everything. But really in my experience, it's only checking like the applications folder and uh, a lot of system folders. But I don't know if mail downloads is one that's actually checked by repair permissions. It's, it's not Hmm. as exhaustive as you might be led to believe. Um, It's, you know, so I I don't know if that one's in there. It might be, it's possible, but, uh, but you know, so it's worth digging into that. Okay. Uh, so let's assume though, for the, for the sake of argument for answering this question, that permissions are not his problem and that, and, and the way to test that would be to take a file, you know, save it out to your, to the finder, right. Drag it from mail to the finder and then just drag it from the desktop into your mail downloads folder. Are you able to do that? If you are, then that pretty much confirms that you are able to write to that folder. So, so, okay, we've got permissions out of the mix. I wonder how many files are in your mail downloads folder. It, and, and I don't know if there's some limit, but it is possible that mail seeing too many things out there and it's simply full. Uh, mail has a setting. If you go into mail preferences in general, Uh, There is a setting for remove unedited downloads and one uh, there's three options. One is never one is uh, when the file is deleted or when the message is deleted from mail. And then there is, and and that's the default when the message is deleted. And then there is when mail quits. Uh, My feeling is set this to when mail quits, unless you come up with some other reason that this is a bad idea for you. Uh, The reason is, this folder is just going to keep getting full of stuff if every time you double click an uh an attachment in mail it's going to go save it to this folder and then open it in whatever app you want uh, that will never get cleaned out um, unless you delete your messages for me, I never delete mail or I rarely delete mail I just file it and so this folder just gets really really full and and you don't need these files they're essentially temporary files because the The actual attachment is still buried inside the email inside mail. So uh, my my advice and, and how I have it set on my machine is is when mail quits, it empties everything that is unedited. Now, if I had opened a file in Word and had made some changes and hadn't thought about it and just let it save it back to the mail downloads folder, it would leave it there. Uh, and that's as it should be. So. So that, to me, that that's the right thing. And maybe even setting it to that quit mail relaunch, see if that, you know, purges out that folder enough so that you can, uh, so that you can, you know, add more things to it. Maybe mail keeps its own index of what's in there. And maybe that index is now just full, even if the folder itself in the finder isn't technically full, uh, and you can open the console maybe and check, you know, as you're trying to do this, check and see if any error messages appear there that
0: Sure. And I found the tool. Hey, good. To so check for ACLs. Tinker Tool System Release um. 2 is apparently the latest. It looks like it was uh, updated fairly recently. Oh, no, look at this. Version 2.85, released September 7th, 2011. Yeah, I remember I remember messing with this a, a while ago, but no, it does have a specific uh, icon, ACL permissions. So... Um, I don't recall off the top of my head the details of this. I think there may be a trial, but um, this uh, looks to be one tool that will let you look at the ACL, uh, ACL for an item. So we will explore that. Of course, we will link to this. But yeah, normally you shouldn't. You know, ACLs are something uh, <laughs> kind of like sinks. ACLs yeah. are something that a normal user should never need to uh, to to modify or set on their own. Yeah. The system takes care of that and you shouldn't have to worry about it, but it's possible. One could have been applied uh, unknowingly or or something got scrambled. Who knows? Who knows? All
2: right. uh, Moving on more mail stuff from Wesson. He writes, I've had recurring problems with mail rules going inactive. This often happens when I go on a trip and switch to the MacBook air. Many of the rules on the air have become inactive. And then again, when I return home, many rules are then inactive on my iMac. I believe this has something to do with mobile me syncing. The same thing happened on both machines when I upgraded to Lion. Many of the rules became inactive. In all cases, I've noticed that the inactive rules had lost their destinations. Most of them were move commands, and had no folder set. Uh, I can go through the process of editing the rules, reassigning the proper move to folders, and reactivating them. This is, of course, better than deleting them all together and losing the history. But I would prefer not to have to go through it at all. Okay, I've seen this before. Um, and, and what happens when I've seen it, it's been when I've synced mail rules or even on even if I haven't synced them, uh, if the destination folder for a move or a copy with the mail rule uh, gets removed or changed in such a way that mail no longer sees it as that valid destination. And, and so it loses its destination. And then at that point, mail disables the rule because it doesn't want to get stuck in some situation that it can't resolve. So uh they're going inactive because of the missing destination. So my question is, you say that you're syncing between your iMac and your MacBook Air, is it possible that the MacBook Air that your your quote unquote on my Mac folders are different enough between the iMac and the MacBook Air that these destinations don't exist in the same way on the MacBook Air as they do on the iMac? If that's the case, then that's why as you sync these rules back and forth. You don't have the, uh, you know, it, it loses its, its ability to figure out where to put them. A solution would be if you have the space to store the folders that you're moving to on the IMAP server, assuming you're using IMAP. And, uh, and then it's the same either way. And that that should work a little bit better. And of course, option number two is stop syncing your mail rules and just manage them manually. You might be happier. That's what I
0: did several years ago and I haven't looked back. Any thoughts on this, John? A couple of thoughts. So one thing is I'm looking at this and I could understand how things get confused because I'm looking. So this tool that, that uh, we mentioned in the last show, but mention it again because it it, it seems relevant. Synchrospector, which is part of the development tools. If you look at the mail category, two of the items that it synchronizes. So one is a entity called com.apple.mail.rule and another is called com.apple.mail.rule's owner. Mm. So I think that leads credibility to the theory that it could be an ownership thing, that it gets confused as to who the rule belongs to and so it it doesn't run it, even though it should be syncing it. And this is, you know, yet another (laughs) sync services thing. Um... Of course, the other thing is where the where the and, and I believe all of that stuff is, is stored in a file called message rules list. You know, I suppose you could whack that, though. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. When I looked at the one on my system here, it had like 46 different rules and I don't have 46 rules. So I think there's a lot of other stuff in there. But I guess if worse comes to worse, I, I, I guess that would be another solution to start from scratch. Though so yeah, you hate to do that, though. I mean, that's the point of syncing, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> or to look at that file and just make sure that it's, it's, it's not in a weird state, you know, you could check the permissions on that file, but yeah, at least on my system, it was in the home directory, library, mail, V2, mail data, message P list is where all that stuff lives.
2: Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to, uh, to while we're on the, the subject of syncing, Um, it might be the same person. Um, and I'm not sure if it is. No, I don't think it is. Uh yeah, actually it is. So Wes also asked, uh, for me, Yojimbo syncing using mobile me has been broken for at least the last six months. I know you say you use Yojimbo for your daily tasks. Have you experienced this? John, get out the soapbox. Uh yes, I've experienced this. Uh I'm not sure who to blame, but I'd like to blame someone. Uh Yo, know, syncing Yojimbo via MobileMe is an exercise in frustration. In fact, syncing almost anything with a large data store with MobileMe is an exercise in frustration. I've I've had mostly good luck with things like Transmit. It's a third party app, but it will sync with uh, MobileMe and tends to work okay. Um, Text expander. Uh, I used to sync with Mobile Me. I believe I've moved that. To, I know, in fact, I know I've moved that to Dropbox syncing now. Uh, but it mostly worked okay. But there was some quirkiness with third-party syncing, more so than even uh, native syncing for for Apple stuff. iCal, of course, was a total disaster syncing with Mobile Me. Uh, So I guess maybe, maybe we're, we're going to point the finger of blame at, at mobile me. If you, again, if you had any significant number of, of, uh, of entries in there, it was an absolute total disaster for, for most people who had, who had significant uh, data stores. And, uh, and so I think mobile me is just not built to handle uh, anything other than small, a, a small number of small bits of data. And, uh, you know, it works fine for your, for your address book and, and for very light calendar usage, but otherwise it's just crap is really what it is. And, uh, and Yojimbo of course accentuates this because for the most part, we're storing lots and lots of entries in Yojimbo and, uh, and some of them can get to be quite large. In fact, I'm currently now, uh, in Wes's situation where my Yojimbo will not sync and I've been having to sync it with Dropbox, but that creates its own problems Uh, because I've got such a huge data store and I'm actually getting close to my Comcast bandwidth caps partially because of that. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, you can try to reset it and here's the process. And this is, this is the process of resetting mobile me syncing problems with anything. Uh, and so that is first of all, go to all of your Macs and tell them to sync manually. And you're going to do that in mobile me system preference pane under sync and then uh, set synchronize with mobile me from automatic to manually. Then on each of these Macs, uncheck whatever the problem is. In Wes's case, it's your Jimbo turn them off, turn it off on everything. Uh, once you've disabled it on all your Macs, do a complete mobile me sync of everything else by clicking the manual sync now button. Again, all this is happening inside of the um, preference pane. And, uh, and that way you've got everything else up to date. After that's finished on each of them, go to the Mac with your master Yojimbo data, uh, or again, whatever, whatever it is you're trying to sync. This could be your address book, and of course, we don't have to do calendars anymore, thank goodness, because we, uh, we have the new CalDAV thing that works so much better, uh, and turn Yojimbo syncing on on the one that has the what you're going to call the master copy of the data. Again, you do that by checking the uh, Yojimbo box in, the, in that same sync pref pane. Wait for that to do whatever it is going to do and then click sync again. Uh, And this may take some time depending on how big your data store is. It's got to go upload. Uh, You can check the status of it. If it looks like syncing is finished, uh, there's a handy thing you can do. If you hold down the option key and go to the sync menu at the top of the screen in the menu bar and click that, it'll tell you. Uh, Not only when the last Mobile Me Sync was, but it'll break it down for all of the things that you have set to sync. So you may think that you've synced everything successfully, but you might see that one of the things is, you know, four weeks old or something. So make sure that on that one Mac, whatever it is, again, in this case, your Jimbo is fully synced. And that's by holding down option key on the Mobile Me Sync menu in the menu bar. Very, very handy. Then uh, once you see that right, Go to the next Mac and turn your Jimbo syncing on on that one and have it sync and next Mac and next Mac and next Mac. Again, everything's still set to manually. You want to get these things working without having them all trying this on top of each other. Once that's done, set mobile me sync, not to automatically, but to hourly. And, uh, and that hopefully gets it working for you, but it's not going to be perfect. And I can guarantee that because I'm running into that
0: situation here. So, I have some advice for you, Dave. Go. Well, I found, because, you know, I'm all about these support articles. Mm -hmm. I did find one that has an additional piece of voodoo in it. And uh, if you look in our room here. I need voodoo. You'll see that I sent you the link. Okay. But in addition to everything you mentioned, so I followed along. And for the most part, the steps you described are described here as far as how to reset sync services. Yeah. But they also include... The magic hand wave here and i wonder if this may be the icing on the cake that okay. solves it do you see this if you look at step 10 so they also say well if you really want to reset sync services on at least the snow leopard or lion machine they have towards the end of this process oh. a terminal command system library framework sync services dot framework version slash a slash resources Reset sync.pl, which I believe is a Perl script, and then you provide a parameter to it, full. And I'm wondering if that, again, is the final step that gets rid of all the any sort of nastiness that's left over. But again, what you described here, yeah, reset sync services. If you see the steps here, it follows along with what you said up until that that one Perl script that they recommend you do as well. So, huh? So that's my gift to you, Dave. Well, we'll <laughs> and see, to any, and I, to anybody else, it, maybe you have to do that in order to to fully, uh, fully clear out all the cruft. Well, I'm going to
2: try that, but well, I'm, I'm I might not need to because I'm looking. I, I remote accessed into my iMac down in the office, and I've been. I, I decided for whatever reason. I guess because I was prepping the show today, and I saw this question. I thought this is stupid. I got to get this working, and uh, so I've been beating my head against the wall with this, but. My machine downstairs is saying that uh, I did the option on the, the little menu. Like I just explained here. And it says that my Yojimbo items are synced as of seven minutes ago. So we might've had a serendipitous Eureka moment here. And, uh, eureka. <laughs> and I'm hoping that's the case, but if not, then I'm going to do this. There is one other thing that you can do. And I've, I've done this and it's, it. you have to be at your wits end. I think I have to be my wits end to do this, but here's what you do. You go in And if you go into your uh, system preferences uh, under uh, under sync and I'm getting there so that I can I can walk you all through this uh, and you click on advanced. What it does is it takes a minute and it pulls up a list of all the computers that are going to sync with your account. Now, what you can do is and this is this is this gets crazy. But you have to understand it's mobile me. The only way to function with it is to be crazier than mobile me's sync is. <laughs> so you have to you have to be able to trump it. And, and this takes a commitment. But uh, but what you do is remove every computer from here. You just highlight it and uh, and uh, and click the stop syncing computer button that sort of appears in a very weird UI way. But you'll see it when you highlight each one. Take them all out what make sure the, the one you take out last is the computer that you're on. I don't think that's mandatory, but again, you have to act crazier than mobile me sync. So there is, there has to be a method and there has to be madness. Uh, so you do all, all of the machines. And then the last one you do is the one that has this computer in parentheses next to it. Uh, this will of course stop syncing from working on all these machines. But when you delete the very last one, you will get a little dialogue and it'll say, Hey, uh, there's some data left over up here on mobile me, you know, we've gone and we remove stuff from all these computers from the sinking and yet, eh, you know, we've got some stuff left over and it belongs to these three apps. And it might be like, you know, calendars and, and, uh, address book and Yojumbo or something, you know, would you like me to remove that? It asks, and yes, is the answer you want to answer. And that might be the solution. For for some of us, because I'm I'm not convinced that even though my computer says that it is finished syncing Yojimbo as of uh, nine minutes ago now, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not convinced that it's actually got my data up there. The only way to test that is to go to another machine and sync it back down, of course, and and I'll try that. uh, And then I might whack myself against the wall again. Uh, But uh, but again, it's just you have to be crazier than mobile me syncing. So removing everything and then you just got to go back through the process and re-add everything and do one computer as the master and blah, 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 blah. And uh, a year from now, we won't be having this discussion on the show anymore, John. We've been having this discussion for six and a half years. We have uh, less than a year left because once MobileMe is gone, we'll be able to complain about syncing with iCloud. (laughs) Don't you think that's going to be great? Sure.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when did MobileMe come out? I don't know if it has it been around that long. Hmm? I think
2: MobileMe predates Mobile MobileMe syncing. It's got to. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. doesn't uh, matter. It's a, no, it doesn't matter. It's just going to be that thorn in our side. Okay, let's uh, let's let Michael go.
1: Hi, guys. This is Michael in Boston with a problem I'm having and a cool tip found by my daughter. My daughter likes to play Minecraft on our 2011 MacBook Pro Core i7 with 4 gigs of RAM which was running Snow Leopard when we got it, and is now up- upgraded to Lion, so it's the upgrade path that we're having so much fun with. After she logs out, you she should, doesn't leave it running, of course, and I tried to unlock my account where I was running Chrome and PyTivo and a couple other things here and there, I get the beach ball when I'm trying to type my password. Um, that's the problem. The solution that she found, which blew my mind, is actually the only workaround, is to um, adjust the volume when I see the beach ball. And sure enough, the beach ball goes away and I'm able to keep typing, much to my surprise. Anyway, uh, while that's a great workaround, I'd lo- love to know if, if, is, if you have any ideas of how to solve the actual problem besides logging out myself. Every time she wants to use the computer, which is a little bit more that I'd like to do, because like I said, I have PyTiva running and other things in there and helping me would, would be appreciated. You can cut me off here.
2: All right. We'll cut you off. So uh, I've seen this before, not consistently enough that it drove me crazy. Like the answer for the last question did, but, uh, but I have seen this John and uh and I've never tried the volume trick. I've always felt like I've been stuck, and I had to power the machine down, or I had to do my trick to SSH in and restart it from the command line, or or any of that. Have you uh, Have you experienced
0: any of this? You know, I don't really run multiple users. Oh, of so. course you don't. <laughs> well, I could, but I, I mean, I do have. Uh, no, I do have on my machines. I do have multiple users. Uh, you know, I have some basic test accounts. Mm-hmm. So when things go, uh, you know, start to go crazy, I can determine whether, you know, it's a account specific or or it's a global issue on the machine. But right, right. No, I haven't run into this. I'm just wondering because, you know, changing the volume. Hmm. Well, why would, that, would it do would th- that? I mean, it's interrupting something. Uh, I wonder if it's just. distracting whoever i mean one thought which i well one thought i don't think uh, one thought is that you know I've, i've seen a lot of apps do this is sometimes they'll put up a cursor that isn't really real right so i'm wondering but it but it sounds like he tried to type in something and it didn't happen yeah so that's one thought is is a lot of times depending on how an app is written it may not it may it may uh put up a cursor that is incorrect So one thing could be you're under the impression that you're getting spinning beach ball, but you could actually type. And I don't know if that's the case. It sounds like it probably isn't, but. No, but that's possible. Who knows? And then when you hit the volume thing, then it interrupts whatever routine is putting up the cursor and it reverts back to, to a normal cursor. And then you're like, oh. So I'm wondering if hitting any button, you know, brightness or some of the others on the keyboard would do the same thing. I'd be interested to to learn if if that's the case. You know, so I've just seen just one thought. I've seen that to to get off on a little tangent here. I've seen that
2: behavior on uh, uh, John Donahue. Of course, he works with us over at Backbeat Media. He uh, occasionally and and you know he's here in New Hampshire, so we every now and then we work in the same office here, and uh, he'll show me that his cursor has turned into what looks like a a kind of a, a munged up version of, you know, when you hit command shift four, uh, which is the way to get a screenshot uh, of just an area that you draw and it puts up a little crosshair and you Mm -hmm. draw with the mouse. And when you release, that's when it takes the screenshot, which is a a side tip, right? Command shift four lets you do that. Uh, Of course, if you do the space bar with that, it lets you take a screenshot of the entire window. But in his case, it's, his computer acts like he's got a normal mouse cursor up, but it looks like this little crosshair. And the way I've always fixed that for him and taught him to fix it is to do a command shift for it and then hit escape. And that forces the cursor through the process of changing. Right. And, and like you said, John, it it, kind of resets things and pushes us back to, Oh yeah, I got to reload what I'm supposed to be. And then it, and then it works fine. That might be what's happening to Michael here. Certainly. Um, If it's not though, And the volume changes it. You know, what I would do is, and this is just the troubleshooting process, right? Is start narrowing down behaviors. See what it is that causes it. Uh, Log into your account, but don't run anything. Quit PyTivo, you know, quit everything and just have a clean login to your account. In fact, best to log out and log back in and then don't launch anything. Just let this login stay clean. Then let your daughter do her thing, come back out and see if that works. Maybe it's one of the apps you're running or maybe it's one of the apps she's running on her end. But, you know, with with fully clean accounts, make sure you can pass back and forth between users uh, and, and, and do that fast user switching and see if that helps. It, it, you know, but you're just going to have to narrow it down. And if it does work, then an app at a time start, you know, Updating things and try a test user account and, and all of that stuff that that's, uh, that's all I've got on this one.
0: That's all I've got. All right.
2: Then it's time to uh, talk to Dave and yes, I'm crazy. No, I'm not talking to myself. This is a listener, Dave. And, uh, and he writes, I've started using remote desktop with the 33 max in my classroom. And wow, is it a miraculous product? I can lock the screen, shut the computers down, send individual students or the whole class a message without interrupting anyone else. Uh, It is beyond powerful. Now I'm thinking about using it to help my mom when she needs IT support so I can take control of her screen similarly to the screen sharing in iChat. I set her computer up with the sharing preferences just as I did with the Macs in my classroom when I was last in front of her computer. Yet, of course, we're not on the same network now as I'm in Texas when she's in Connecticut. I tried clicking on network address instead of local network under the scanner option and entering in her IP address, but no joy. I can't figure out how to control a computer remotely that's not on the same network. John, you want to start
0: with this one? I will. Yes, I would like to. I'd love to. So here's the problem. I'm guessing this is what the problem is. And hopefully you're with me on this, Dave. I think the problem is that even if you know the IP address of your mom's machine, I don't believe that remote desktop will, uh, or I'm sorry, I don't believe that your router, which includes a firewall, is going to allow the request to come through. And I think that's the gist of the problem here. Well, let me step back one thing. So very, the very first thing, now you may not, this may not be enabled. All right, so step one, if you want to control another machine using that Apple product, Dave, as far as I know, what you want to do on the machine that's going to be the target or the client or the machine that you want to diagnose is at the very least you want to go to the sharing system preference and enable, uh, which one is it here? Well, I'm looking, I, I think the, the, the terminology is a bit different on Snow Leopard and Leopard. I mean, I'm looking here, remote login, remote management, I think, is what you want to choose to enable, right?
2: Yes. Uh, well, yeah, you can do it with, um, I'm trying to, uh, let me Let me make sure, I don't think it's sharing, uh, remote management is
0: right. Yes, that's right. That's what you need. All this. right. So yes. the first thing you want to do if you want to manage a machine remotely is you got to make sure in the sharing system uh system preference that that service is enabled because if it's not then you're never going to get to that machine because it's just going to ignore the request now assuming that that's on then here's the second problem is that normally firewalls and routers and at least the apple ones tend to ignore requests unsolicited requests that come from outside and of course this is one where you're coming from outside saying hi by the way can i administer this or control this machine and of course normally the, the the device is going to say no. So what you have to do, now the good news is that the ability to set this is in, uh, we're going to assume a piece of Apple equipment, is that the ability is there. And let me bring up, because I even took a handy little screenshot. So what you want to do is if you run the airport utility, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm also going to make an assumption that this is set up to do DHCP and NAT, which is network address translation. So, But what you want to do is go to the airport utility, then there's going to be an Internet tab, and then a NAT tab, Network Address Translation. And then there, there's going to be a button saying Configure Port Mappings. And here's what this is doing. This is creating a path from the outside to a machine on, hopefully, your mom's machine. And this is creating a pathway from the outside to the inside. Normally, this pathway would be blocked. But if you explicitly define it, then it's going to come through. Now, the nice thing is that when you click on uh, the, the, the then is going to be a plus icon, which means add a service. So when you say configure port mappings it's going to say service. Well, what service do you want to add? And when I looked at least on my utility, it had one, which I think is the right one called Apple Remote Desktop. Yep, that, that sounds reasonable. That's it. And then what that does is it pre-populates because then if you look in this list, there's five entries here. Public UDP port, public TCP, private UDP, private TCP. And it looks like the ports are 3283 and 5900, which most people, including me and I think you, Dave, don't know that off the top of our head. Uh, Actually, (laughs) well,
2: 5900 is for VNC,
0: which is what Apple's uh, uh, technology is based on. That's right. Well, partially it it uses
2: VNC, but not
0: only VNC. So, yes, that's right. Now, the only thing now here now in my case, it filled in an address, which was was, I believe, incorrect. Uh, I'm not sure where it got it from. But here's the only thing that you're going to have to determine. So private IP address. What you have to do is figure out the IP address. And this should be easy enough is that if you go to. The network control panel. Or, or the, uh, <laughs> after all these That's years, awesome. I'm never going to stop saying that. But <laughs> you want to go to the system uh, network system preference, and you should be able to come up, or uh, one of the other menus on the machine. You know, if it's the airport menu, you should be able to get the local IP address. Or no, actually, system preferences is probably the best place. So, system yeah. preferences, network. Uh, and I think, yeah, you click on the interface, whether it be Ethernet or airport, and you're going to see the IP address. So that's the IP address that you want to put in that private IP address field. And then. What should happen is then if you if you run and you give the external IP address and in, in that the IP address that's been assigned to, you know, by the ISP. Uh, which you can use something like what is my IP dot to, to determine that or so that's the one I use. Okay, or you know, iStat menus or another utility, but yeah, that that that's a quick and easy way to do that. That should be able to do it. So that's that. That was the long answer on how to do this. Um, if you're using uh, ARD, the, the much simpler solution, and this is when I had to help my mom with an email problem the other day. Uh, iChat is pretty good. They're not perfect, but I think it's pretty good at transversing most. Uh, I think it channels all its services through standard ports. So you don't have to go through this rigmarole here. And what I did the other day is when I want to help my mom, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to go through this whole portminting well, thing I, and try to explain that. So I just said, you know what? Set up an iChat account. I think he he mentioned that in his email. Oh, right? did he? I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. He's saying uh, I want to take control of her screen similarly to screen sharing in iChat. So I think he's. He's, he's doing that, but, but, oh, what, he wants to go to the next level, maybe. Right. Because with iChat, the user has to be there in order to authenticate this, <gasps> this session. Uh. Right. And, and of course, you know, with Apple remote desktop, he doesn't. Now there, there are other solutions. Uh, you can use a, a program called log me in, right. That will let you, that, that kind of deals with the firewall aspect of this. And you don't have to do any port mapping, Um, and, and that, uh, that can work. There was, there was another one called Hamachi and I can't remember if Hamachi works with the Mac still. I think, I think log me in bought Hamachi, didn't they? But, uh, maybe not. Yeah, I think they did. So it's all the same now. So there's log me in, uh, Apple remote desktop. Uh, you, you, could set up, you know, a a VNC server, but you're in the same boat because you've got to do all the port forwarding and, and all of that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, uh, log, log me in is probably, probably the easiest one because, because it, it takes care of doing the firewall with you. And I think there's a way to do it for free, um, for a limited number of computers or something. So certainly for helping your mom, I think you can do it. Um, I know I don't currently have a log me in account and I'm able to use log me in from my iPad, for example, to get to my computer at at the office or my dad's computer and it just traverses the firewalls. No problem. So sweet. Yep. Yep. Uh, All right. Let's move to gray. I think Uh, let's uh, um, uh, let's see things here. We'll do we'll do gray and and we'll see how long it takes. Maybe we'll do one more after gray. Gray writes, my son's father-in-law, having having punted from a PC to Mac conversion, gifted him his MacBook Pro, which is running Snow Leopard. My son, who is also new to Mac OS, phoned me to ask me how to set up his user accounts. Should he create a new admin account and delete the other account that's set up by his father-in-law? I'm worried about a few things. Number one, access to software not installed for all users. And number two, support through Apple under warranty. Is there a process transfer ownership of the machine so that Apple recognize it as my son's and doesn't ask for the previous user ID and such? Okay. Um, so for number one, access to software not installed for all users. I, I, well, let's back up a little bit. Yeah, I think you should set up a new user account. It's going to make your life easier. Uh, so set up a new user account, make sure it's an administrator. And uh, and then before you delete the the existing one, check in that existing one in the user's home folder under applications. That's going to tell you if there's any applications installed for that user and only that user. If there are just move them to the main applications folder and then everybody can see them and they won't go away when you delete the user account. Um, That typically, I mean, you know, there might be
0: a few other things. Really? Uh, I don't get a good feeling about that. I got to figure that something missing. If you just drag the application over that some other stuff's not gonna not gonna get dragged over.
2: Typically, I could be wrong. Typically that works. I mean, I've I've done it with several oh, okay. things. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I mean, because I'm just thinking is that you know, as most of you may know, um th- there are different library folders and preference files depending on whether you're the system level user or an individual. I'm just afraid that something may not get brought over. I mean when you run the app maybe it'll come up and say oh you know I'm I'm starting fresh and right enter a serial number or something like that so so you may not
2: Well see here's the thing if you've got multiple users on the computer uh it it's going to it's going to put user preferences and and individual settings and all that and it might set up a whole big structure inside the library application support folder but I don't mm-hmm. think but based on the way Mac apps should be written And, 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 and certainly my experience with most of them, I think if you're running Photoshop or something well, that's going to put the stuff in the system library anyway. So you're accessible from all users, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think you're, I think you're okay. Yeah. I think you're right. But test it. If that user's not logged in and you're logged in as the other user, test everything before you delete that user account. If it works, it's still going to work because you're not going to have access to those files for as one user from another anyway. So
0: yeah yeah you know i'd I'd be extreme you know my solution what's that well i've done this so when i've sold my prior older Macs and i've sold them to someone and no one no one's complained about this yep i will take the original install discs even if they don't have the latest uh, operating system and i basically reformat, reformat the machine as if it came fresh out of the box Then you get the comfort of starting from scratch. Now, yes, you will lose the applications that are on there already. Right. Okay. But uh, I've just done this because I didn't want whoever received the machine to be under the false impression that they're going to be getting, you know, either a whole bunch of free apps or Yeah, but this is different. They'd have to deal with... uh, Yeah, I understand This is family, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like it's going to somebody on eBay or whatever. Sure. But still, there's, you know, there's, there's cruft... And who knows what's on there? I, I'd I'd be uncomfortable adopting a machine from someone without starting from scratch. Anyway,
1: yeah, it's that's like, just me.
0: No, that's just I'm, me. If I inherited a machine, I I don't think I'd want the the other stuff that's on there. I I wouldn't right. want to have to deal with what, whatever you know the other person had to go through and whatever you know knowledge or, or you know little tweaks or weird things they had to do to get the system to work. I'd I'd want to start fresh. But that that's just. Uh, you know, it's kind of extreme again, you're going to lose, you're going to lose something. You may lose some apps. Uh, You know, the data I assume is is data you don't want (laughs) and shouldn't be shared. Uh, Well, that, 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 that's just my take. So maybe creating a new admin account will is is the best, you know, way to, to, to balance that.
2: Now, as far as support from Apple, that based on my knowledge and, and if, if we're wrong, somebody will correct us. but that's based on the machine. And uh, and Apple's got, you know, you, you it would be helpful to have the proof of purchase so that you can confirm purchase date and all that. But typically you don't even need that. Um, but, you know, Apple looks at the serial number. They know whether or not it has Apple care. They've defined the warranty date. And you can look all this up uh, at applecom support. Uh, you can get the machine serial number by going, well, Apple will walk you through this. But if you just go to Apple menu and about this Mac. Uh, and start clicking on the version number of the OS, click a couple of times and you'll see your serial number. Go ahead and type that in. Apple will tell you what day you bought it. And uh, you know, when the warranty expires again, whether or not it has Apple care and, and they'll support it regardless of who brings it into the store, unless somebody reports it stolen to them, I guess. But, but other than that, they, I don't think they care. Uh, So I wouldn't so much worry about that, but you can, go into Apple's system, uh, he would have to remove it from his account and you can add it to yours, right? Isn't there a way you found to uh, to do that, John? To do... Sorry,
0: I was reading to, an Apple warranty document.
2: Yeah, to move the serial number of the machine from one Apple ID to another if you really want to do that. Again, it's not necessary, but, but you had found that way that you told us all about, you were so happy about. Remember? You know
0: what I'm talking about? Hmm... <sighs> I, I don't recall.
2: Okay, so if I, if, if remember you were asking me, because we had like a, a, TMO had bought you an iPod, right? So this is how the, this is how the sausage is made here, folks. Uh, oh, I
0: think, oh, well, no, I think, okay, no, no, now it's coming back a, to me. Well, I think the original, database. well, I think the original owner has to release the product from their registration. Right,
2: but where do they go to do that? That's the question I'm asking you. I don't know. <laughs>
0: i don't have it off the top of my head <laughs> well support uh what is it support uh, uh hold on i know what you're talking about all right g- give me a sec here okay good but
2: that, it's somewhere there at apple it's like my stuff at apple.com but it's not that john's gonna
0: find uh support profile.apple.com that's it that's See, where you
2: go i know we'd get him there folks Mr. Yep. John
0: F. Braun. He'll be here all week. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, because I found that like I think we had that where the, there was something that TMO had got me. And when I tried to register it, it said, okay. well, somebody else already owns it. And then I'd let you know and you're like, oh, I'll release it. And then when you released it, that I was able to register it. Yep. So, yes. Yep. So, so that, that's where you want to go to
2: supportprofile.apple.com, And that'll actually bring mm-hmm. you to some big monster, you know, mm-hmm. uh, URL, but but that's OK. Cool. All right. Uh, you know, I think that uh, actually wraps us up for the day. But we think will. so. I do. Yeah. Uh, the band's all, all here. Right. Mm-hmm. See that? See how we go. Hi, band. Uh, we did. We did. We did spare you another rant of mine, but we'll we'll add that in. We'll, we'll get that in a future show. I uh, okay. Network scanners. You know. they're... But they're great, but they're bad. And I'll tell you why they're bad. A future show. You know how to contact us, but we're going to tell you again anyway. Premium at MacGeekGab.com is the way uh, for you folks to email us. It is your own special email address usable only by those of you who can count yourselves as premium subscribers. And we love you for that. I really, really do. It's uh, it, it very much appreciated. So there's that, there's that special email address
0: for you. Now, Dave, I want to make sure I heard it, or there may have been a glitch somewhere. I don't know. There was something going off in the distance. But I, I do believe you said premium at macgeekgab.com. Premium at macgeekgab.com. That's right. I want to make sure I heard that right. Okay. now. But it's not the only way, though. It's probably the easiest way. And, yeah. and of course, you can attach... Screenshots, those are very helpful, i got to say, for so many questions. Yep. Very helpful to see what you see. Command-shift, we, us- we talked about those in the show, but we'll, we'll mention it again. Command-shift-4
2: lets you define uh, an area of the screen, or with the spacebar, a window, a full window to screenshot. And command-shift-3 will simply take an image of the entire screen, and that's fine, too. We don't really uh, care. We, we're not going to be publishing these, so we don't need
0: them clean. We just need to be able to see them. Mm-hmm. Audio, of course. Uh, I think it's about it.
2: Two zero six 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 six. Oh,
0: Geek is the phone number you can call if you want to call us. Oh, well, of course. And uh, if you don't have letters on your telephone, or even if you do, that is 4335. That's awesome.
2: Uh, you can uh, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash MacGeekApp make sure you go there and like us you'll be able to see when we, uh, when we post the show and also we, uh, we've been doing some question and answer and it's got a nice little threaded system there so yeah, good stuff always fun John even um, reads it so that's good
0: yeah <laughs> well it's because I get notifications in my email that's mm-hmm. right yeah that's right.
2: Twitter.com slash MacGeekGab will also alert you when the show goes up. We've got little tips that we publish there. Twitter.com slash John F. Braun is him, slash Dave Hamilton is me, slash pilot Pete is that guy that seems to be busy working at his other job there. And Mac Observer is of course Mac Observer. That's it. We'd li- oh we'd like to thank Michael Johnston. Can't forget him. He converts this to AAC for you. Thank you, Michael. You are awesome. He's been with us uh it's probably six years now, right? I think it was. I think it was within the first year that he started doing the AAC. So, thanks, Michael. And of course, Cashfly.com provides all the bandwidth.
0: If you need bandwidth, yeah. they're the guys to get it from. You know, That's I it. remember when Michael was wasn't even podcasting. It's it's inconceivable now. I know. I know. I think we were with him at his uh, first MacWorld. We were fun. when he ran up to Steve Jobs and shook his hand. I think. <laughs> no
1: fear.
2: Have fun, folks, and uh, have a good weekend. We'll uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Don't get caught.
1: Made up.